Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Number one, this is Paul's, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, last day's description. This is the answer for the last days. Look around. We're in it. The visible is only seen in the spiritual condition of mankind's heart the last days aren't outward signs oh no an earthquake no that's not last days that's daniel's 70th week oh no wars oh no famines no 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 that's not last days that's daniel's 70th week last days is spiritual once we get raptured out of here that blessed hope then we're going to enter into, the, uh, we, we are not, the world that's left behind is going to enter into Daniel's 70th week prophecy. It's going to be physical calamity. You know what we have to watch out for now? Spiritual calamity. We're only going to see the physical manifestations. We're only going to see the consequences of. We're only going to see the results of these things. But they're all heart consequences. Let's go to 2 Peter 3. And the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, Walking after their own lusts. It's a lustful generation. And in the list, in the description that we see in these last days in verses 1 through 5, just want to get some doctrinal stuff, kind of revisit it and get it out of the way so we know we're living in the last days. We are either going to die and go and be with the Lord, or we are going to have a meeting with the Lord in the air. That's the blessed hope. That's the rapture of the church. The Lord's not coming down to earth at that point. We're going to... Not we. Daniel's 70th week prophecy then enters into play at the end of the world, that world system, 
Then Jesus Christ is going to come down. His feet are going to touch Mount of Olives. And that's going to be his second coming. So we have three different things. We have last days. We're in. Rapture of the church, which isn't Jesus coming down to earth. It's us going up and having a gathering in the air. Amen. We have a, a, a prophetic week that still needs to be fulfilled. That will be fulfilled after the church is out of here. And then Jesus Christ will come down. And that is the second advent. That's the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens from there? We enter into millennial kingdom. So people say, oh, wow, we've got fish in the Red Sea. It's abundant. It's flowing. Well, great. There's fish in the Red Sea. But that's not till millennial kingdom stuff. Ezekiel 40, 48. It's all millennial kingdom stuff. But right now, we have a Laodicean church age. We have last days. And how do we see it? We see the results of, we see the consequences of mankind's heart. What are we to be? Let's go to Titus 2. We are to be Titus 2. Verses 12 to 14, Christians. This is how we should live. Titus 2, verse number 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, that's what we do, and worldly lust, that's what we do. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly, yeah, in this present world. Well, that's hard to do. Oh, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If we look to that, then we can do verse number 12. We've got hope. We can live that life. We can live a Titus 2 life. The problem is that the majority of professing Christians, quote unquote, this list that we see in 2 Timothy describes their moral condition. It's a form of godliness. Now, I say Christian, you got to be careful. I try to say either. There's a difference between being saved and being a Christian. A Christian a Christian is a Christ one, a Christ follower. You can be saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Praise the Lord. We're going to be in glory. But in the meantime, are you going to love the Lord's commandments? Are you going to be a Christ follower? Or are you just going to follow the trends of the world? See, there's a form of godliness. Oh, I go to church. It's a form. I profess a creed. I have a doctrinal statement. They're even involved in religious activities. But their heart is far from God. How can you have a testimony of salvation where the Lord just saves you out of a drunken lifestyle? A drug-addicted lifestyle? And then not fully want to live your life for Him? I don't understand that. I had a good life growing up. My parents are still married. 
My parents celebrated 50 years of marriage. Wow. I mean, that's an accomplishment in the world. <laughs> that really is. I mean, I had a good upbringing. Dad wasn't allowing alcohol in the house, none of that stuff. But I got saved, and boy, I wanted to live different. I knew I wasn't right with God. So I can't understand how someone that just had a mess of a life, and God just, when I say mess of a life, I mean just an upbringing. They didn't have the benefits that some of us had growing up. Man, why wouldn't you just want to go all after it for the Lord? People say, oh, I just feel in my heart. But then when you go to the Bible, it doesn't, their heart and the Bible doesn't line up. God just spoke to me. That's funny. When I read it here, he doesn't really say that. <laughs> People come up with these feelings that they just run after. And then the Bible says that we have perilous times. It's dangerous times. It's full of risk. The hazard lights are on. It's a perilous time. Praise the Lord for everybody that's saved and everybody that hears the gospel and gets saved. But I've got to, and I encourage you, you've got to put on the hazard lights when you're attracting people and you've built a big church of people, if you want to call it that, but they don't know anything on how to live a godly, a righteous, a holy, and a God-honoring life. They're led around by all of these things that we see listed. The Bible says men shall be lovers of their own selves. They live for themselves. They only think of themselves. And they only want to please themselves. Verse number four, it says, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Why do they do drugs? They love the pleasure of it. Why do they drink? They love the pleasure of it. Why do they turn into a porno freak? They love the pleasure of it. It doesn't say they don't love God because they'll say, oh, I love God. They just love pleasure more. Which I teach young people and I'm sure you do too. It's going to matter who you pick for a mate. Because it's not about pleasing you, it's about you pleasing them. You find that out in a big way after you say, I do. What happens? Do people get married? You know, they go through their list that they're told to go through. I'm not against it. I think they're great ideas. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in the deity of Christ? Do you believe in going to dance halls? Do you believe in going to Hollywood movies? Well, they have all of these questions which, yeah, like the guy isn't going to give the right answer. <laughs> of course he is. Like the girl isn't going to give the right answer. Alright, so they all agree and then guess what happens? At month number three, one spouse finds out the other spouse changed their mind on something. Gee, a woman changing her mind. It's common to all women. That's what they do. 
I didn't know he was going to be that grumpy. It's common to all oh God. We're all that grumpy. <laughs> and guess what? You have to learn to please the other person. And the other person has to learn to please you. I don't have all that figured out. I just know that the Bible says if you're married, you're to please your spouse. If you're a Christian, you're to please God. And it pleases God when you so commit yourself to that other person in a way where you're going to give them something that they want and you're going to put your needs aside. It's easy to preach, hard to live. And then, probably a good time to, to revisit the love of money. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. They love pleasure more than God. They love money more than God. Money then controls them. You Christians, you can't do anything. We can do whatever we want. You love money so much, you're in bondage to it. You can't function without your greed, your greed shot. They need more stuff. They need more luxury. And it's never, never enough. All right, next on the list is, uh, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then covetous. This means very desirous. Covetous person, they're always excessive in their eagerness to obtain. If you have children, you know that this isn't something you have to teach them. You have to teach them to not be covetous. They have a truck, they're fine playing with that truck until they go visit their friend. And their friend has a shinier little truck. And all of a sudden, it's now you've got to buy them a new truck. No, how about you play with your truck? <laughs> and be happy for that kid that he's got a nice shiny truck. We don't have to... We don't have to teach that to our kids. We have to teach them to not covet what somebody else has. Good child training is teaching your children to do without, to not overindulge themselves. Who said it was a rule that you have to have dessert every night? Where is that? Is that a, like a... <laughs> is that a preach? <laughs> if you're brother Chris's house, you're getting dessert, amen. <laughs> they want, and they want, and they want. So teaching them to do without helps them to not be covetous. These are hard issues. And after we train our children, the idea is to cut them loose so that they've had the proper training now to enter into a life victorious for Christ. Then the Bible says, boasters, oh boy, they glory in themselves. They make a display of their own perceived wealth, their own perceived worth, their own perceived intellect their own perceived athletic ability. They brag and they put themselves on display. These people can be pointed out pretty easily 
These are the last days. Preacher gets in the pulpit. We've had 500 saved and we've had this and it's this big, big. Well, praise God. I want 500 people to be saved. Do you? I, I mean, I do. I want everybody in the town to be saved. So do you. But there's this attitude behind this contest of trying to get all these people saved, quote unquote, when all you did was a dog and pony show so that you can boast your numbers in the next Sword of the Lord print or whatever print you're putting out. Last days. Last days. Nonsense. Then the Bible says proud. Boasters and then proud. They're arrogant and they're haughty. Why do you buy yourself an expensive three-piece suit, snap the collar, and walk around with this air about you like you're somebody? Big deal, you graduated a Bible school. Big deal, you got a job at a big university, at a big, at a big church. What I want to know is, great, but is God the one that's getting the glory? Or do you just like priding yourself in yourself and in your accomplishments and how great you are? A lot of big churches are built on a man's personality. Turn on the TV. It's not right. Pride hurts. Let's get Psalm 10. This is a verse for the TV preachers. Psalm 10, verse number 2, the Bible says, The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. You know how many, it, it's not like it's new news to any serious Christian. They prey upon people that sit home, watch TV, and aren't as strong-minded as you and I. And they get them to give up their money on all this junk. One of these TV anchors interviewed the, the fraud. I wish I could recall his name now. Benny Hinn and then... And the, and the, oh, it wasn't Ben. Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland is a he's a he's a devil is what he is. He's full of the devil. These guys are frogs preying upon poor people, people that are weak minded. Uh, let's go Psalm ten verse four. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. <coughs> this verse preaches and it convicts. I, I, don't, I, I don't want to think of myself as a wicked person, but at the same time, at the end of the verse, I can't say that 100% of the time, God is in all my thoughts. 
I did a lot of driving over the last three days. There were a few moments of fleshly carnality. <laughs> Get out of the way! <laughs> I, mean, I, it's, I, I don't like to think of myself as wicked, but at the same time, God is not in every single thought all the time. Hard to live. Easy to preach. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence cover them as a garment. There's people, they just like to wear it. Everything about them and their persona and their aura shows their pride. It's what they put on. They're proud of their pride. That's them. Go over to Proverbs 8. I like competition for a few different reasons. One is for kids, it helps them to be knocked off of their high horse. I like when kids lose because I watch how they handle it and it gives me a point of teaching. We had a tournament and there were some beginner kids and so I had my son, I said, look, I want you, these kids need somebody to fight we want to give them some extra matches. They're there. We want to, it's a smaller show, and a new area we're hitting. Take it easy on the kids. Let them get position on you. Let them, okay, Dad, I, I will. But I'm not going to let them win. I'm not going to let them win, though. Pride. That's all it is, is pride. Oh, we went to one last year sometime, and I'm like, I think I just want to see him get tuned up. <laughs> I'm going to put him in with this kid because I want to see how he handles it. It just reveals. These situations reveal our pride. And I think my opinion is helping to train kids, put them in, putting them in situations where they can have setbacks, where they can have failures, where they cannot have their way and see how they handle it helps reveal a little bit of their heart. Rather than always giving them the easy way or the out or the, we'll make, we'll, we'll just make the environment or the situation easy for them to handle. I'm not talking about wearing them out all the time. I, I don't believe in that either. I'm just saying that not a bad idea to think about. All right, where are we? Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride. And arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. I'd love to be able to get to the point where I just hate the evilness of pride and arrogancy. How do you get rid of contention? Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse number 10. Two fellows fighting, two ladies fighting, two families fighting. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. You know, it's okay to disagree with your wife. Wives, it's okay to disagree with your husbands and not have contention. It's only by pride cometh contention. 
Proverbs 14, verse number 3. Proverbs 14, verse number 3. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, man. He just uses his mouth to strike people down. I don't like being around people like that. But the lips of the wise shall preserve them. We had this guy, he commented over the weekend. Yeah, that one guy, he's got a lot of matches, man. He's really getting a lot of mat time. He hasn't lasted, he hasn't lost at all. Well, well until he fought me. So I said, well, it's because it's you. <laughs> and then we, we had a little tip on that. and it, it, it worked out fine, but it just slips out. We, it's just us. We think that we're it. And so you might beat everybody. Oh, but he's not going to beat me because I'm me. Pride. I want to do the best I can. I want to be the best on the job. I want to, and so do you. Nobody goes, no good, hardworking Christian man goes to work and says, I'm just going to do a horrible job today. Just don't want to be prideful. <laughs> you know, we go and we say, we want to do a great job unto the Lord. We want others to see our work and say, oh, Christians can work. We don't want to do a great job to bring glory to ourselves and pride to ourselves. We want to try to give, we want to try to live a life as such that everything we do glorifies Christ the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 16, get two more. Proverbs 16, verse number 18. Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. The housing market imploded some years back. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> People got prideful. Banks got prideful. My theory, and it's just a theory, I don't have any Bible to back it, but my theory is that all these McChurches that are popping up this whole mega church thing, it's going to implode. From the inside out. Inside out. Last one, Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, verse number 23. A man's pride shall bring him low but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. A proud and haughty spirit, God gives us a solution. Humility. Just humble yourself. Get low in humility. Don't let pride just destroy you and knock you down. Just humble yourself. I need to humble myself. All Christians. We don't want to be the description described in the last days. Then the Bible says blasphemers. That's what we got last days. Blasphemers. OMG. That's the new text. That means to speak irreverently of God. That means to speak disrespectfully of God. That means you don't magnify His name. 
You know, I want to work with a Buddhist, and when I hit my finger with the hammer, I want to say, oh, my Buddha. <laughs> I do. I do. You know, I want to, oh, my Muhammad. Stupid, ah, Muhammad. I want to work with a Roman Catholic, you know, and, oh, my Pope. Nobody says that about their mother or father. But a Christian will use their heavenly father's name like that. It's blasphemy. We get Leviticus 16, you'll have to turn there, but he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall, shall certainly stone him. Now we're not under Old Testament law, but if we were, there won't be too many people living. I don't want to hear I don't want to hear my kids say it. They know not to say it because the hammer's coming. It's not going to be a stone, but it'll be a little bit longer and a. <laughs> yes, that's right. Because if they're not corrected, they'll end up living their life as a last day description. We don't want that. Isn't it a blessing to take your kids out and? You know, you're at a cash register checking out or something, or you're out publicly, and and somebody comments, say, "Wow, your kids are really well behaved." That's just it. Really blesses their heart because they see so many disobedient kids come through, and you're thinking to yourself, "Well, the car ride here wasn't that hot, but 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 isn't it a blessing that they see a difference? They see a parent who has children that aren't throwing things off the shelf." Comes with a lot of hard work. Comes with a lot of training. Comes with a lot of time. If we do it for the Lord, we get frustrated less. We get frustrated less. We want to raise children because the next point is disobedient to parents. My papa. He would take his thumb on his finger like this, and if we got mouthy when we were kids, on the lip, and it was enough where you're like, <laughs> you know, it, it wouldn't hurt you. It would just stun you enough to be like, what just happened? <laughs> I'm being dumb. I better stop being dumb. Disobedience left unchecked is why we end up with this it's why we end up with people that go to college to get a job to preach God's word but they don't believe God's word so they change it and they make it into some big show fest they don't want to obey God they want to read the Bible and when the Bible disagrees with them they figure well it doesn't mean that there's always an out for disobedience you tell your child Hey, I caught you doing this. Oh, no, 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 Dad. Here's why. Here's why. You're not going to get anybody to agree 100% on everything. But there's some real simple, basic things and principles in the Bible where when you show a, a so-called Christian or a so-called preacher or a so-called church member, do you really think it's a good idea to have half-naked girls up on a stage with lights and smoke and whatever those pipes are, singing and humming and hollering and gyrating? I mean, did you, 
You mean to tell me last Friday night you read the Bible and you got that? Where did you get that? You got it from the devils where you got it. You got it from the world is where you got it. You got it from, I don't want to really change it because people will think I'm mean. Well, be mean. <laughs> These aren't hard things to figure out. They're not hard principles. We look for ways to disobey God by making excuses. Well, you're a little over the top. You're a bit of a legalist. No, maybe you're just disobedient. And the Bible says unthankful. And that's where it hits us. It's just forgetting God's goodness. And the new thing is self-sufficiency. Not against it. The new thing is a self-made businessman. Not against it. The tiny house, the, the uh, uh, what do they call it? Living off the grid. Self, you sustain yourself. I find it easier to go to Walmart and buy fruits and vegetables that are probably old and stale, but cheaper and easier to get. But if you can get somebody to self-sustain, not against it, I'm going to have a garden. I'm sure some of you do. None of that's wrong. But if our self-sufficiency leads us to depend on self and forget about God, we become, we become unthankful and we forget about God's goodness. We need to be careful. Then the Bible says unholy. And that's the reason why the apostate church, they just will not stand an expose of themselves. It wouldn't be a good idea for me to go to lunch with one of these mega preachers. Because I'll probably violate some of these things in here. But Lord willing, if I ever get the chance and if I ever get the hearing, I will try to respectfully give the expose, give what the Bible says and the principles and say, hey, we're in a mess. Are you going to be part of the solution or part of the problem? Look, I know we're not going to agree on everything. But let's start to be part of the solution rather than the problem. They will tell you, you are the problem. You are part of the problem. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. God wants you to live a holy life. He wants me to live a holy life. He wants you to listen to things that are holy, not unholy. He wants you to dress in a holy way, not in a half-naked, unholy way. He wants you to speak wholesome words, not have a potty mouth. He doesn't want you to laugh at the dirty jokes that the youth group is... He wants you to be wholesome and holy like Him. And then the next part in the list is without natural affection. The bond between parents and children used to be so strong. Now, kids don't even know who their dad is. That's sick. That's sad. That's the state that we're in. Dads have to be forced to pay child support. Why wouldn't you want to support your child? 
Why does the state have to come looking for you? Mothers give up their children for a drug addiction. Where, what happened to this natural bond between a mother and a child and loving that child and, oh, and doing anything to keep that child? I know things happen. My parents, we were one of six. Two of my youngest sisters were adopted from Korea. Parents that didn't want their kids. These things happen. But this natural bond between parents and their children in society now, it seems to be so foreign. People don't want kids. Kids are an aggravation. Kids are an expense. Kids are, well, you mean what? Like Kind of like you were and are now? <laughs> it used to be, oh Lord, thank you so much for this child. I know he's wearing me out, but thank you. I know she's wearing me out, but thank you. There used to be a natural bond and attraction of man and a woman and a woman desiring a man. Now, you have churches all across the state and the country welcoming queers, sodomites, the whole bunch of them into church. It's unholy. It's disobedient to God and it is without any type of natural affection at all. It's wickedness. That's the place we're at. Truth breakers. They can't enter into an agreement without breaking the agreement. It's the guy that will violate a handshake. Handshake hands with him because he's going to violate the agreement. If there's a contract, he'll break it. And of course, you're the bad guy. So keep our word. And then the Bible says false accusers. They're going to slander your name. They're going to give a false report. This isn't just the world, by the way. This so-called Christian, so-called church gatherings, church assemblies. And it says incontinent. Someone's incontinent, they can't restrain themselves. They're going to indulge in any lust without restraint. They can't resist their passion, so they're an incontinent person. And then the Bible says fierce. They're wild, they're violent, they're harsh, they're, they're very, very severe. But biblical Christianity should pr produce meekness. Should produce gentleness. Should produce self-control. We shouldn't be fierce. And then despisers of those that are good. Now the church that I came from, the town had... Uh, the, the, the newspaper, Facebook, the town put this, this woman on. She's homeless, drug addicted, beggar. Don't give this person money. They put her face on the, don't give her money. She got saved. Genuinely saved. 
she was witnessed to by somebody from our church, our home church. She puts on Facebook, I got saved. Oh, that's, that's great. We're so happy for you. It was all positive comments. A couple of months pass after she's been in church for, because that's what you do when you're saved. You kind of assemble with God's people and you want to go to church. It's not all these people get saved and then all of a sudden next Sunday, where is everybody? <laughs> they didn't get saved. She starts learning the Bible. She goes downtown with her home church publicly holding a scripture sign and handing tracts out. Somebody's seen her. Now all of a sudden the comments on Facebook turn from you're better off drug addicted and dying on the streets than joining that cult. Because people hate that which is good. They just hate God. It's okay. Oh, you got Jesus. Great. Oh, you, you're turning your life around. Oh, great. As soon as you start to want to live for the Lord and do things where can't you just keep it in the church? Well, no. God wants us to go out. Why can't we live our life as Christians and use our freedoms that we have? People hate biblical Christianity. So it is easier to hide and keep it under lock and key than to have to deal with but we've got so great a salvation I can't keep it in. They despise those that are good. Then traitors, nobody names their son uh, Judas. But a traitor is going to aid the enemy. They're going to betray trust. Hetty. Hetty only appears here. They're ready to fall forward head first into anything. They rush into things. They're, they don't really weigh out the consequences. They don't really have concern for that. Even if it leads to their ruin, they're just going to jump in head first. It's a heady person. This is uh, last day's descriptions. And then, and then we have high-minded. A person that is high-minded, their pride is very honorable. They are so high on their own mind that they disregard God and they become disinterested in God. We'll get two passages of Scripture and then we will wrap up. Romans chapter 11 and 1 Timothy 6. God commands us not to be high-minded. Romans chapter 11, verse number 20. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right at the end of the verse. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off and now standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Now, turn over to 1 Timothy 6. 
and verse number 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things. God commands us, be not high-minded. You trust in riches and you have no fear of God. You have no trust in God as the giver we end up potentially to become high-minded. All right, we will finish up. The Bible says lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We looked at that. Then it says having a form of godliness. We looked at that. It's a form. But, they den but denying the power thereof. Where do they get their power from all of this that leads them nowhere? And it ends with verse number five, from such turn away. If you don't, you start to become like that person. That's why when you play in the dirt, the dirt doesn't get handy, your hands get dirty. Because the, the, the bad it, it, it's going to it's going to affect the more. How do you know you, you know what your kid is like based upon the five people that he hangs out with? My kid would never do that. Well, if his five friends are doing it, he's doing it. <laughs> you know what your husband's like based on the people he associates with. You know what your wife is like based on the people that she Pinterests with or whatever they do now. Uh, we know people by their association. I want people to know me. I want to say, yeah, man, that guy, he's got some fanatics over there. Yep, they're my friends. It's my family. Love the Lord. That's what I want people saying about me. That's what I want people saying about you. I'm sure you want the same thing. I heard they're fanatics. I heard they're this. I heard, yeah, you did. They're my friends. We need to turn away, not in a rude way, not in a mean way. Give them the truth. Let them know. The more you associate with this type of behavior, the more that behavior is going to rub off on you. You get a job somewhere, the best blessing that God can give you is a good workmate that loves the Lord. As soon as He puts you in the place with somebody that's just going to wear you out, the next thing you know, you're just worn out. <laughs> That relationship becomes, i got to minister to this guy all the time. I can't get any fellowship. And you can't wait till the end of the day to get rid of him so you can have some sweet fellowship with somebody. So there's fellowship, there's ministry. We need to be careful. We don't get into this description of what God wants. All right, Father God, thank you for your word. We are thankful that kids had a nice lesson. We pray that went well. Help us to live for you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.